0: Those don't just happen. At the start of the business, it was all like, right, how can we do this thing a little bit faster, quicker than anyone else? We'd take photos and everyone else would be like, yeah, I'll edit them tomorrow and they'll be up tomorrow afternoon. We'd be like, cool, you you up to 3am? I'm up to 3am. They'll be up by 3am. Done. So the next morning when everyone woke up, photos are up. And now we've got to get to the point where it's no longer how hard we can work. That's the next stage. We're in this castle of all mark 1 doing what we do and then everyone's got their bow and arrows and they're trying to like shoot us down with something and either we just work even harder we build our castle taller and taller or we just try and build multiple moats outside of all mark one.
1: hey what is up welcome to last show counts in today's episode we have the owner of all mark one in the house please welcome rory crookshank
0: hi guys yeah thanks for having me oh, um, thanks
2: thanks for coming on man this is uh this is a really fun one um i think uh obviously we'll get into the story of, of how it how it happened but also i think really interesting we've discussed before um the kind of the crossover between wearing a business so hopefully like, this is one where we can kind of get into that a little bit more so yeah
0: definitely yeah, excited to be here. It's a busy, busy few set of weeks coming up. There, yeah, to we got it early.
2: Snuck you in just before <laughs> it I was about to get absolutely mental. Yeah, um, cool. Then, so yeah, how we normally start really is just uh, is how how did you get into rowing in the first place? Uh,
0: so I started rowing at school. I yeah went to a, went to Norwich School, grade school in Norfolk, uh, and just wasn't very good at the other sports. Um, like not too tall, I'm not too big like the standard sports hockey rugby didn't didn't really fit in for me uh and when it was like snowing in the E team rugby team when i was like under 13 and the head of sport was like does anyone want to go and do some rowing instead i jumped to that pretty fast so
2: you're not the first person uh a girl yeah we had ben yesterday he was like yeah i didn't want to do cricket (laughs) and he said he hated rowing
1: when he started so did you start off rowing or coxing initially
0: it was, it was very much pushing it to call it rowing. We, we like, played around in boats, like those, like, plastic uh, cast singles type things with the massive riggers and stuff like that. So we just went and screwed around in those for about a year and a half, and then I started coxing after that.
2: That's pretty good, though. Again, like, that's how you get, like, if you don't enjoy it first, you're very likely to, like, go further in it. So I
0: it think is, it's it is weird, though. It was like that, that hidden oh it'll be really fun you can go and row and it's really sunny and when it's not sunny you can go inside and go on the air goes and then what? and then like two years later they're like hail no get get in the bow loader we're out in the hail yeah didn't didn't really sign up for that when i first started but you kind of get used to it
1: they it's- never tell you all the good details that come with rowing <laughs> all the hard mornings and everything and
0: yeah, the yeah. wanting to quit rugby because I was cold and wet, replacing it with rowing, or I get even colder and even wetter, was probably not a super smart decision. With no way to warm up as well on top of that. Yeah, don't know, know. Coxing in a bowloader was like, you just lie down in an ice bath for like three hours, yeah. maybe in the space of two sessions, yeah.
1: Yeah, this is a trend that you see more people picking up now, so you might say that you were ahead of the curve with that there is still some funny in- i remember teaching
2: novices like quite often you know you're still like, very new it's maybe not the best day it's a bit windy the cox is annoying have to constantly stop and reset the boat and everyone's like completely confused what they're doing and i'm like i promise you it gets better like
0: really fun is a summer we promise yeah.
2: yeah uh it's just one of those things it's so different like the the entrance is quite difficult there's like so much to learn there's like quite a lot of it's i guess it's it's quite a barrier to entry. Like, you kind of have to have a mindset of being like, this isn't great, but, like, maybe I can go it, delayed gratification.
0: It's just that bit of, like, if you don't do it, you're going to be so behind the curve six months later when you come to summer racing. So everyone kind of just, like, has to do the winter bit because as long as everyone else is doing it, you're at the same level. If you're the one person that taps out of the winter bit, you're going to be pretty far back in so
2: Yeah, the only thing worse than, yeah, than... Uh, having to deal with winter weather is then being scrabbling at the back of the squad
1: yeah unfit for the summer racing but also like the barrier to entry comes down to the fact that when you start teaching people how to write you first have to explain it's a completely new language that you're going to have to learn new set of words new set of calls and everything and i think this might have been especially true like with coxing as well
0: yeah the whole like i i never really caught on to it a huge amount uh, i'm sure when i was like 13 14 i was trying to use all the correct words but actually i kind of realized once i got to about 16 17 that just speaking to everyone like your mate, like not trying to do it in a very specific way or not trying to do it the perfect way tended to get better results out of the athletes and out of me as well so like yeah i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to think of a good way to explain it but it's it's just one of those things of like everyone kind of sees coxie in videos or Especially, like, American Cox Recordings is, like, a very, like, controlling type of way of doing it. And you, like, elongate your words and stuff like that. But actually, I always found that just speaking to them, like, normal people. At the end of the day, they're just, like, your mates. You go and hang out in the pub afterwards type of thing, so...
2: I think you've got to play to your strengths. Like uh, you've got to go with what you did when we were teaching it's Like obviously, to give them examples, you kind of need to pull up some videos. Quite often, they'll be like quite polished, quite aggressive. Say a Henley final, something like Harry brightmore Henley final, amazing, but like incredibly polished and aggressive. Um, and then you would have a cox like, like that's just not me. Like I'm not, I'm not aggressive. I'm not going to get loud. And you're like, no, I don't want you to copy. Like I want you to like kind of take examples, but then you do it your way. And like some people very calm and controlled other people that are aggressive like you have to like play to your strength
0: it's it's pretty coxing when you're just training is pretty boring like you do a lot more watching and a lot more like understanding than you actually do speaking so trying to teach someone how to do that is quite difficult because you can't make someone watch it because they will get bored within 10 seconds they're like you haven't said anything yet you're like yeah you don't really have to to be honest but like yeah it's it's definitely a difficult one teaching people yeah. how to stop
2: learning uh that pauses are okay is it yeah. yeah fun one just like when it's like constant scream of stream of consciousness like no no, you can you can, you can
0: give them five strokes to you can you can stop. You've, you've told them to do something for 10 strokes count to 10 let, let them do the whole thing
1: yeah you don't have to say something literally every single stroke and then also another funny thing is like listening back to like coxing recordings but not from racing but from training and it's like, yeah, tap tap on, do, do this, do that. Like there's not like a lot of action all all packed in one place. Like pretty boring. It is pretty boring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I generally think as well, like like the one, like one of the major
2: benefits of rowing is like even in a cold day, you get out, you get up early, you're a bit tired and it's kind of cold and it sucks. But also like, you got your workout in and like for the rest of the day you got work workout. And like that was always like missing for the cocks. So I sort of feel as a crew should be a lot more appreciative. Someone's come out and done all of this yet not had a workout got way more cold than you did didn't warm up like i still annoy. I've said before like it really annoys me when coxes get mistreated a, a bit because it's just like dude
0: i got i got used to it like j15 i remember seeing that i had a great coach at school called chris who was also a cox he kind of taught me everything that i know now but it was that sit down just like oh yeah so so, like, is there a way that I can stay, like, a little bit warmer or a little bit drier? And the response was just like, no. You can put on as many waterproof layers as you want, but after 18k in a Cox 4, the water will get in somehow. Like, you will be inside a bin bag of water <laughs> by the end of the session. No matter whether you're wearing four sets of salopets or a set of leggings, like, you're going to get soaked. Especially in
2: the though. Yeah. yeah i learned it from coaching a little bit and i first started coaching i was on the bike in henley so you, you warm up just like an athlete and then in oxford we coach from the launch and it's yeah it's just that slowly creeping there's just more more and more cold and then you're coming back in
0: like the in the rain like we had, we, uh, we had roofs on the launches at bricks, oh, yes, which was very nice when when everyone would go out in pairs or coxes fours or whatever uh or if they were like five eights and there were seven boxes yeah two cogs sit up on the launch you just you just sit under the roof and like yeah this is a lot nicer than being out in that boat
2: yeah that is the that's the way to learn like obviously you've got to learn by doing but the next best thing would be to sit in the launch so yeah cool so at school you did you did uh get some success as well as the cogs
0: yeah so um wasn't super common at norwich at the time uh we had one athlete before me that did that did really good adam who went to munich and stuff he was thought he was really good at rowing um but yeah i think i was the first cox to go and trial from norwich but then yeah first one to then get selected for for coop and then worlds the year after as well what years were that then so 2016 so that was coop in 2016 which was pretty quiet because it was olympic year so mm-hmm. everyone was spending their money on the olympic teams. so that was a very quiet coop year and then 2017 in lithuania for worlds
2: nice how was that different different place
0: yeah it was it was very very different um poland was that year the 2016 year we had done loads of trips away we'd been to bruges and we'd been to Ghent and all those type of things so it was quite nice to like carry that on and then the year after we kind of didn't really go anywhere we'd been to Ghent, but that was about it Mm. and lithuania was a was a big old shock to the system it was very different and I think coupe in general is very different to worlds. Like yeah. the whole thing about having like the US team and the Australian team and New Zealand team and the South African team and stuff, they're big teams and they turn up in force. So it's it's quite nice to have like that type of race where usually international races that most British people go and do is like Ghent or Duisburg or something, which is still a relatively small event when yeah. it comes down to it.
1: You don't get that like in coupe. With with all of those teams from around the world, it's just it's not even like a full European championships. It's only like a select few countries. So you've got France, Spain, Italy, Germany, etc. Yeah, oh,
0: there's Germany. Just raced Italy. Germany was still banned when I went, went to Coupe. Why well, were they banned? I think they sent like their junior worlds team oh. to Coupe or something. And that's like against the rule. So when I was there, they weren't allowed to race. I think they're allowed to race now. I think they're, they're back in now. But, yeah.
1: So funny thing about that Coupe. I actually watched it live. I happened to
0: be in Ireland at the time. <laughs> On uh, on Lake Malta, yeah, in Poznan, it was good. It was it was hot. It was really fast. We were in this like Windtech International with aluminium riggers. It was a pretty heavy boat at the time, but we were like flying in that boat.
2: I did. In 2010, I did the Cox 4. We went to Belarus, which is like time travel. That is a weird country. You can't even fly there from the UK, so you fly into Poland and then get bussed across. Even though they knew it was obviously the World Championships and there were buses of rowers coming over, they were still holding everyone at the border for like four hours, just like flexing, (laughs) like we're in charge here. Um, But yeah, so we went and did the Cox 4, and I can't remember what country it was now. There's a photo of us somewhere. Someone turned up with a wooden boat. Like a wooden Cox force. and if they'd been in the other heat, they would have made the final. They missed out by one space in in the in the hot final, and you just we got a picture in Imagine standing in front of it and the rack. There's a full wooden varnished boat with world rowing sticker on it. It was just like, so <laughs> like mind blowing. Like we weren't the only ones going to get photos. Like
1: fair play to those yeah. boys as well. They're like that must have been heavy. Yeah, heavy boats. Yeah, but it doesn't make that much of a difference if you're a if you're a fast crew.
0: I think there is quite a big difference between like wooden boats and not i know that some of my mates were uh, were filming at the boys in the boat film and uh i mean we're we're quite good mates with WinTech who who made the boats for the movie and uh carbon fiber underneath and then wooden skins because they were a bit too heavy just as wooden boats they were struggling a little bit i think yeah i think
2: also like just for like filming like you need something that's going to be consistent mm-hmm. and like uh like a w- old wooden boat with like a random bunch of rows in, it's going to start getting wobbly and Someone's going to pull the rigger off the side of it, kind yeah. of yank it in. Yeah. yeah. That's that cool. I, I heard about that as well. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was like a wooden, I thought it was like a vinyl sticker.
0: I think the top was a vinyl sticker, but I'm not sure about that. and I actually. That was cool. Cool.
2: Uh, cool. So, having then done uh, Junior Worlds, I mean, in that experience, like moving into like, Life as a under twenty three, I guess. Like, yes. did you so, want to keep rowing? Was that something? So you really- I
0: knew that I wanted to carry on after Coop. I'd got a message from from Brooks talking about whether I wanted to to start looking at coxing here. And then as I got into like Worlds and it was Springs and my name started to get out of there a little bit more. So American uni started getting in touch. So I spoke to Washington and Cal quite a bit, um, but. Uh, decided that like the contract didn't really look like what I wanted to go for. Uh and Brooks was kind of where all my mates were going. I remember us being sat in Lithuania in like the big crew room uh and we would all just like watch one Brooks video, one Washington video, one Brooks video, one Washington video. Just like trying to decide where we were all gonna go. Um I then did a gap year and all of my mates went to Brooks and I was like well, that's the decision chosen, isn't it? Like I went to Worlds with a load of really good athletes and then they all went off to Brooks and I was like, well, all the really good athletes. So, so to name a few of those guys. So I went to Worlds with Matt Rowe, Henry Brooks Seb Newman, Barney Fox, those type of lads. Okay, cool. Really good. Um, so yeah, like played Shrewsbury, lot. still kind of like the standard of Brooks, like a lot of Shrewsbury guys, a lot of yeah. guys. Um, And then yeah, took a gap year out, was a boatman at Norwich School, kind of stuck around at home for another year. It's probably a good bit meant that I didn't have to cox for a year, which was a really nice break. Kind of got me used to the admin and logistics side of rowing, which Mm -hmm. I really enjoy. And then went to Brooks and cracked back on with the coxing as soon as I got there. Awesome. Um, and then I guess, so this
2: is, we're going kind to of rewind a little bit as to when All might One started getting involved with this. So this was kind of as you came up at the same time.
1: Yeah. When did you first have the idea for it? How did it like come about?
0: So I had me and two of my mates, Rich and Alex, Um we are all kind of like into rowing photography, Uh very into rowing at the time. There weren't a huge number of us. Nowadays, you can just like have a bit of a scroll on Instagram and find loads of people that are into rowing. Back then Instagram had basically only just started. So we were still on Twitter. Like the the initial All Mark One group chat was just on like a random Twitter conversation. Wow. Um and we were all talking about like how we were all going to the same event and we could each like photograph each other and stuff like that. And we were like, Oh yeah, cool. And then we'd find other people being like, Oh, can you photograph us? And then we'll pay you for them and stuff like that. So kind of like grew and grew and grew. Um but at the start it was literally just to like take some photos of of rowing and then see how big we could make like social media accounts. It's pretty much it. We had some guys from Walton who I'm still a good mates with now, James Pickering who had a like three and a half thousand follower account. We were like, That's it. We've got to be him. We'll be him. That's that's the goal. And at the time we had like forty followers. So it was it was like a long way off. But it was it was that like constant just strive to try and beat the next biggest person. The next biggest person. That is, stick stick with that at the moment.
2: Sounds like the the rowers mentality kind of being a, a p- applied to other ways, which is like what we were saying about business.
0: It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty savage. It's like I'm very competitive, and I'm not very good at holding that back in the business sense as well. Yeah. Like we we went in and undercut everyone by sixty, seventy percent on pricing. Because we could, and because that was would make us the most competitive. Yeah. And like we could have gone in and undercut everyone by 10%, but that wouldn't have been as hard hitting as what we did. And it's kind of the same way that we do now, on a completely different level. We've kind of done the complete opposite now.
2: If you're in an industry where you can come in and undercut someone by 60%, it probably means that someone's been operating on their own for a bit too long. So that's the free market.
0: Yeah, very true. And it's it's the one thing that we keep in mind Old Mark 1 all the time is like, we are now like the biggest rowing photography company in the UK. We're we're one of very few. But the prices try not to change as much as possible. We've done one price increase in eight years now. Plus pretty good considering how
2: expensive and stuff have gone up. Yeah, And
0: it was only when we had to register for VAT as well. So that
2: that was a big tough one.
1: You gotta do what you gotta do. And just to put into perspective, so you went from like having forty followers in just a few years to now having over fifteen thousand on Instagram.
0: Yeah, I think we're at like we're nearly at sixteen thousand now. But it was it was very slow for the first two to three years. It was very much finding our feet. Like we'd take like five photos at national schools and be like, Cool, that was really successful. We'll have five Instagram posts. Yeah. And then we went to Henley and we just did the junior cruise and stuff like that. It's like growing and growing, growing. And now we are the biggest team at Henley and that schools and Henley Women's and we try and do every event and cover absolutely everyone. Yeah. Because now we're at the size where we can get away with that without losing quality. I
2: think that's absolutely the best way to do it. Like there's a lot of people try and like bite off more than they can shoot. Like the fact that you've like slowly gained and like organic growth and those things are really important. Um Yeah, but we've
0: strange. had opportunities to expand into the States or expand into other countries, but actually putting that effort and that finance back into the UK means that we can continue to try and like grow the community we are here a little bit more.
1: So, and it's working well because obviously you're now an official media partner for for quite a lot of those events even at that schools we were also there uh you you and all mark one had the, the biggest tent as <laughs> well
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the aim yeah i think i exactly. think we've got a the way that i've always seen it is it's it's a bit of like the fake it till you make it mentality but there's also the whole like being a big brand is quite cool and if you can uh be quite supportive the rest of the community they'll be supported back yeah so whether it's doing all the nat schools t-shirts with the ul to do all the medalist ones with rival kit uh or we go and do all the wristbands throughout the season and we go out and give free photos at gb trials and stuff like that or boat race fixtures having that like brand image size hopefully means that when it comes to yeah national schools henry royal head of the river the first people the first people that people think of was us
2: yeah that's awesome to roll it back then a little bit so obviously at school you're kind of you're kind of just doing this for fun then you move to uni uh, are you still
0: that's kind of uh, as a fun still, thing still kind of doing it for fun um brooks coxing really took over my life i think i'm quite someone that will go like like 100 percent in on one project um and university kind of like split that quite a lot um we don't really see the full extent of that because COVID hit mm. at the start of my second year and then was all the way through to the end of my third year. So we don't really see what type of effects me not being able to get 100% into the company actually does. Um, but as Brooks got more intense, so first year was pretty 50-50. I did a lot of All Mark One stuff, a lot of Brooks stuff. So my second and third years, it was near on 100% brooks coxing like i was i was chasing after wins and stuff like that um and i have a great team all mark one that means that actually the level of coverage did not drop at all like lucinda and rich and at the time it was george and dent as well who have since left basically ran all mark one for that final year and that made a big difference especially at henley when i'm out racing five days in a row yeah being able to know that the coverage is going up as normal made made a massive change and
1: obviously that speaks to probably the way that you run the company as well the fact that people tend to gravitate towards working with other people that they like and that they can trust and respect so if you were able to sort of like trust your team to run such big events when you had to, to go off and do and do your thing that probably speaks to a lot to the company culture you've
0: developed that all mark one speaks a lot to the people that we've got in the company as well like everyone is equally as competitive and like well driven um no one all mark one is a slacker which is really really impressive um and i think it's it's one of those important points for the business the way that we look after our staff is depending on how well they work and all that type of stuff so i think i've said it in a video before but each photographer gets paid depending on how much they sell so it kind of helps promote the so same with me but helps promote everyone to like get the photos up a little bit quicker and then you've got the photos of slightly higher quality and they're edited right and they're easy to get access to and instagram posts look good and stuff like that like it's all it's all about like trying to help Push people to just make it like one percent better every single time.
2: So this is, this is exactly what I'm sort of thinking that like when we talk about when when you how rowing crosses over to business, essentially you've made it a performance based, yeah. and that's if there are benefits to performing better, exactly the same as in rowing, then you're going to want to perform better. And then if you're starting with people who have that mentality, that's like the perfect mounting pot.
0: I also think it's like we're trying not to make it a unconditional requirement. But, uh, yeah, I think that's the right word. But, like, at the moment, everyone that wears Hallmark 1 has rowed or has done some sort of rowing in the past. Lots of them to a very high level, some of them not to a high level. But I think that, like, little bit of having an interest in which club is which and mm. what type of boat are they in and all of those type of things just helps us in the grand scheme of things. If we started pulling in random photographers that would probably help the business side a little bit more like they'd be a bit cheaper we could use them a little bit more mm. easily those type of things you can of like pick them up and drop them off because they're able to do loads of different things that side of rowing wouldn't be done as much like you you don't know whether you're sat on a start line taking a photo of eton or eton excelsior and mm. there's, there can be sometimes quite a big difference
1: and it also speaks to like the mindset of uh, the people that you employ at your company as well, because if you all came from like sort of the similar origin point, which is rowing and training hard and turning up when you're pushing when you don't want to working with your team, I'm sure that all like, translates on top of that as well.
2: Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I mean, it's the same with Rogue, You know, we've I've tried employing people who aren't rowers, and especially when you're fixing equipment, it's just so difficult to have that feel. Um,
0: difficult to have that conversation of just like so what what are you feeling and then they explain it and then you kind of understand exactly straight away yeah, what, what the point yeah
2: is. yeah things like that um but then also like again it was for a similar thing for us like part of expanding row gear in the last couple of years um it's about kind of being being uh, a business of rowers in rowing which i think is m- makes a lot more sense to people always a lot easier to like get behind because it doesn't feel like it's just this random company with these random people it's about, coming in to take your money. It's about
0: it, supporting something that's also going to support the community back. Yeah, I think that's quite a big part. Is that yeah? Like it's all about oh yeah. If you if you buy photos from us, and let's say you're at a big school, um, for example, we've got a lot of big schools that come buy lots of photos at Nat schools from us, and you can sit there and be like, yeah, yeah, you're you're total bill was was this but actually about half of that money is probably going going to go to i was going to photograph three of those guys at junior worlds and three of the girls at coop and then one guy one girl at the home internationals and all that type of stuff And it's like that money kind of stays in one big circle Mm. and then over time that'll then get fed back into gb trials or whatever and those type of things and it's it's quite important that everyone our all one keeps that same like that yeah. too it was quite easy just to like start pulling the money out but that doesn't help the community grow anymore
2: absolutely and that's and that's a big part of this podcast it was like we're sat here going like there's there's a lot of people in rome with a lot of knowledge a lot of experience or with their own small businesses and like fantastic stuff but there's not necessarily like a platform to get it out there and like if we can help everyone help each other um then like like you said like grow a community and like just being out on the circuit this year like talk to other people about new ideas like we we talked a little bit i'm sure we can talk later about like different regatta ideas and bits and pieces like that and like it's it's a different you know it's sort of one of us kind of thing you know like you're a rower you're in the gang
0: you you under you understand which events run well which events are not running so well and um all all those type of things like it's it's one of those easy ones of like if you've been there and done it, you can understand it a little bit Mm -hmm. and you can you can always like teach but as long as that like base level of understanding is there i think it makes our life teaching photographers a lot easier yeah definitely
1: so initially you started off with all mark one as a photography company but you've also expanded since so you don't just do photos you offer other types of media coverage
0: yeah so up until about 2019 bordering 2020 at that point um we we like primarily just photos uh lucinda who works all mark one uh started doing some like little video projects here and there and they started doing really well but that was very much like a, a hobby based side of it we'd go and we were kind of doing instagram reels before instagram reels and tiktoks were a thing if that makes sense so yeah. just like we would just post like a short video clip uh and then that'd be it and instagram wasn't super happy about that at the time as in like they would do just as well as our photo posts whereas now video posts do significantly better
2: yeah i think people forget like instagram was all it was photos it was was photos and people just looked at their stream like there was no like rolling through the video like it's it's crazy how quickly this changes
0: so it all changes so much and now you can upload a three minute video and skip along sections before then it was like no you are you're in for the long haul here if you want to watch the ninth minute of this video you better be up for watching the first eight minutes of this video because that's all it is and if your mum calls halfway through, you've got to start again from scratch, type thing. But,
2: <laughs> We've had a funny thing with the, with these podcast videos, like the long format. Like, we find, like, people sort of over the age of 25, are like, we love we love the long format, you know, like, listen to it in the car. And then people under the age of 25 are like, we need shorter videos. <laughs> we want short videos. We want it short and sweet. You know, like, hit it.
0: Yeah, the little clips channels. Those
2: Yeah. Do. But, yeah, so then, like,
0: 2020, 2021, started coming about and... Um, we had like Wintech took a really big chance with us and said actually can you come and video some of our events for us um and that was that was like a pretty big step like we hadn't done a huge amount in the past that was big odd risk for them like video isn't cheap to uh, like get decent videographers and editing takes many many hours and stuff like that so it's, it's a pretty big jump to take but I think like that that really paid off for uh, both them and us and we've seen both social media like channels grow pretty mm-hmm. uh and then in the last like year and a half we've seen everyone else start to kind of jump on that trend too it's like we made uh i believe the first ever packer video advert at henley last year which was just was like pinch yourself a moment i've mm-hmm. been like wait so the the brand that doesn't really advertise wants to make an advert with us that's pretty cool uh, and that was like a whole different like problem but it was like it was a very different video that we had to create because you can't go down the same marketing route for those different companies so then we became more of like a marketing if you should see him brand than we were photo and video but it's again it's kind of all the way back to that like we're all kind of rowing nerds at the end of the day so if you like one of our photos and you're like i want to put it in a book we can make a book if you want to put it on the wall of a gym we can find some waterproof material that means that it's not gonna mold on the side of the gym if you want to hang it up in a frame we can mock it all up and if you want to put your nat school's medal in it as well we'll come up with a way to do that like in yeah we're we're not, like, super spread out, but we're no longer the niche of, like, oh, no, we take photos, and if you want the photo, you can buy the photo. We can now do anything else. Your fans
2: are right Like, that's the important thing. Yeah. Like, that's, like, w- that's like the people we've wanted to, to talk to on this and stuff. This, like you said, people are in it. And, like, again, like, going back to saying wintech taking a chance on you, but, like, that's another thing about being part of being in the industry, being, like, one of those companies, like, getting to know people, doing the circuit with people, like, you want to, like... C- you want to take chances on people who are like you feel like are on your team already
0: yeah and it's like it's that unwritten rule in rowing that some outsiders that then move into rowing don't really click straight away with but it's that like unwritten rule of you look after me well we'll really look after you back and it's that that happens all the time whether it's just like that yeah i know that this one job is quite a lot but the rest of the year will pay itself off like three times over if you give us one shot of this. Yeah. And then it happens like both ways round. Like someone will be like, yeah, I can't get this many photos right now because my budget at this club does not stretch to it right now. However, give me a shot. We'll see what happens. Three years down the line, they're ahead of rowing at some other mm. place. Mm. And suddenly like that, like 150 creative photos that you gave away in the start,
2: yeah everyone straight everyone moves around a lot and like we've had the same thing with, with servicing like people have come in got us in with one job and then they've moved to three or four different clubs and they've they've kept us going and like on the one hand like it's fun like having like not just doing the same thing so you have someone say oh but can you you know i know you don't really need do fix that equipment but there's something wrong with that can you have a look at it? like the other day my um uh a friend of mine uh uh has the gym in henley toby garbett has got the health and wellness gym that the the Leander guy's now training. And he was like, I've got two treadmills that don't work. And I was like, Well I mean I don't know how to fix treadmills, but like I've got a toolbox. So we just pulled it apart and found the problem. I soldered some wires back
0: together and stuff and like we got it going. And like number one is yeah, so we've got if you've got like a I don't know, Land Rover Discovery that's broken down, caught cool, Tom. <laughs> oh God, <no. laughs> Replace but, a turbo for you or something.
2: <laughs> well, I can see cars as well, but I'm, I'm pretty busy. But um, yeah, and the one had its fun to like have a different challenge. Um, and I've had the same thing as you, like there's clubs where like the budget hasn't stretched or whatever, but like when you're trying to maintain a standard and you, and you want to make sure there's equipment's out there and there was the yeah, same thing like when we went back registered, that meant the clubs that weren't back registered were paying like 20% more. So I would just take the price off. And I'm doing it for less, but like again, like being, like I say, like being in inter- the industry, knowing people, because you're not just like a nameless, faceless company. They remember that, you know. It's, uh,
0: it's a, it's yeah. a really big part, and it's, it's the same as what we did when, yeah, when we went out registered, and the prices started going up, and then interest rates and all that type of stuff, inflation started going up, and everyone that's been booked in with us beforehand pays the same price that they did before because yeah. it was such a big jump. Them not only trusting video content, but also us to produce video content uh as like a group of kids that that like just that did it for fun, mm. and we were like, yeah, but we we think we can probably sell you more. Like we can we can sell more of your stuff by making some videos, and that that was like a pretty big jump. That might seem to have paid off so
2: i think loyalty does pay off but i think the other reason why outside companies might not do as well is because all growers are insane and we can just spot normal people oh, a mile
0: off no. <laughs> it's just a we're a different breed yeah. <laughs> yeah you can you can tell like you scroll through like videos my yeah yeah you just you just like keep scrolling through social media and you're like yep yeah. I tick quite a lot of those boxes. You know, that's not good. <laughs> you
2: just have to like listen to a row talk for like two minutes and like if you. They, they're easy to di- spot. You it's can a can different spot language. a
0: mile off. Yeah. And even if they're not talking about rowing, you can spot <laughs> I
2: remember being back at. Uh uh nat schools and i hadn't we hadn't we haven't done events for a while we've been focused on other things this year we've kind of come back into it and just remembering like oh yeah like this is a place where like you're absolutely fine to just walk around in just an all-in-one like like in a normal in a public i remember when i finished rowing like going to a public gym and being like i can't just train in an all-in-one and a ripped t-shirt anymore (laughs) like
0: i have to look presentable you also can't just like drip liters of sweat on the floor without anyone being like what are you
2: doing Uh, yeah i (laughs) had one gym i went to i remember they had signs on all the cardio machines saying like please don't use this equipment for more than 15 minutes at a time and i was like
0: what are we doing here (laughs) am i meant to do my 90 minute ergo (laughs) 15 minutes what the hell this isn't a
2: gym yeah, we're different That's
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's really key. And you find some people that join the community jump straight in straight away. And we've we've got a few people like that, not at all Mark 1, but that work with us. They've kind of, you know, they've kind of like stood on the sidelines for, I don't know, six months and been like, okay, the only way that I'm going to make this work is by like becoming one of them. And then yeah. they kind of like jump in 100%. It, it pays off straight away.
2: That's awesome. I mean, so that, I mean, that kind of leads into, like you said, um, it just kind of happened, you're getting into video and things like that. But how, I'm very interested to find out, how was, did you feel the transition moving from a company that has photos and videos to a brand? Like, was that a conscious move or is it just kind of organically?
0: It was was slowly becoming one, um, but it was never really like conscious. We'd always kind of just do what we think was cool at the start. Uh that was all the way up until about twenty twenty one and then um as I stopped coxing as i as I left coxing, it was a bit like right we're gonna we're gonna give this like as much as we can mm. the entire team got behind it, and it made it made a huge difference, whether it's just like brand awareness and everyone kind of understanding us. We always had that like same year group like that twenty nineteen year group j fourteen all the way up to university rowers knew who we were and that was really great 2020 came around and the top like the older lot dropped off and some people left school and decided not to start rowing but the the younger ones kept getting older and then 2021 came around we didn't really do that many events because either we weren't allowed to turn up or we were the only ones allowed to turn up there weren't that many people racing and so many events were non-j14 non-j15 it was just get the 16 17 Mm. and 18s racing mainly because the 14s and 15s might not have trained at all yet. Yeah. But it meant that going into, I think it was the 2022 to 23 season. So, no, that was this year. 2021 to 2022 season. We went into it knowing that we've got about half of the rowers that we used to have, and we only had J16, 17, and 18 rowers. And it was like, we've got a lot of work to do to get 14s and 15s back, and the other half of the university wrote us back and that was that was a lot of work for a lot of social media pushing a lot of free handouts a lot of turning up to events a lot of fixtures um we've really pushed our like head of the river live streams with school's head women's head uh, and men's head again it's just like that brand name awareness so that when someone's like oh yeah where do i go for race photos on this day we're the ones they think about
2: i think it's so easy as well for people to forget like all that work that has to go into all that time and effort and events and giving stuff away for free and it's not necessarily anyone's fault because that isn't a sort of posted front but like when someone says like, oh this much for a photo you're like dude like how yes. so much has gone
0: in like, to be able like, to bring you this yeah sadly when it's like uh, i'm trying to think of a really good example so so you look at we went to bedford amateur Regatta where we're selling photos from there and the photographer's getting paid for his stuff and the rest of that money from all our one is actually paying for gb April trials that happened like the week earlier mm. that we've got a fund somehow um and then that's also funding the random shoot we did for the boat races that we also cover as like a social media side because it does great on socials mm and stuff like that and like bow race fixtures or the lightweight bow races and all those type of things so you're like those don't just happen but we need to be we can only get away with doing all of that stuff because we are the bigger company mm. and that's kind of the stage that we're at now like at the at the start of the business it was all like right how can we undercut this person how can we do this thing a little bit faster quicker than anyone else we would take photos and everyone else would be like yeah i'll edit them tomorrow and they'll be up tomorrow afternoon we'd be like cool you you up to 3am i'm up to 3am they'll be up by 3am done so at eight o'clock the next morning when everyone woke up photos are up
2: Hmm.
0: now you listen to that and you're like flipping us it's a very long time to wait for photos." because then we were like okay everyone else has kind of caught on so why don't we edit them and upload them between the gaps in the races Hmm. so you see a race go past, we'll edit all the photos upload them all and then the next race goes past, and we keep doing it. And then that's now caught on. And we're like, okay, right, that's the, that's the next stage. Um, and now we've got to get to the point where it's no longer how hard we can work. Because as the business grows, there's got to be a point where the staff that come in and get paid as a job. Like you two might, might see this, but like if a rowing club calls you up at 9 p.m., you two are probably gonna hop out of bed to go and service a rowing machine if you need one for the next day if you hired someone they're probably not going to do that yeah so we're in that same position now where it's like yeah if we need to get photos up that evening we've got like i will stay up until four o'clock in the morning to get them online another member of staff that doesn't have the same interest in normal one that i do or some of the other people in the company do We've got to come up with an, another bit, so we can no longer work harder than everyone else. Mm. We've got to work smarter or better. Or it's like I'll, I'll go off on like a bit of a weird tangent here. We're in this like castle yeah. of all Mark one doing what we do, and then everyone's kind of like they've got their bow and arrows and they're trying to like shoot us down with something. And either we just work even harder and we build our castle taller and taller, or we just try and build multiple moats outside of All Mark 1. So that's being able to go to GB Trials for free, because we can recoup that money in from somewhere else. Or being able to go to the Under-23 World Championships, because we've got commercial partners that can help us out get there. And those are all moats that kind of stop, or mean that All Lock 1 can continue doing what we do at the moment without that like risk of someone outworking us yeah because we can only work so hard
2: that's awesome to hear i mean firstly awesome to hear how um you sort of innovated out of covid which was like another thing that we really had to do because at that time almost everything for our business was, was servicing machines at clubs universities and that all stopped completely mm-hmm. so like yeah it's cool to see it's single swim time and you kind of have to innovate and without devaluating out on how much work you've done i'm sure you probably don't even realize that like the kind of things you've done the innovation of your sport like pushing those levels again comes down to like it's rowing like how do we make the boat go faster how do we make this go better and like p and i sort of found ourselves sometimes just almost for the fun of it you know on a day like how many how much could we get done today like how, how late could we stay like you know we'll turn up somewhere i remember we went up to a gym in in sheffield and it was gonna be a two day job and then sort of mid afternoon Pete was like, Oh, what, what time does the gym close? And they're like, Oh, we're open till like ten thirty and then we're like, All Right,
1: let's let's do it. Like, let's work till ten thirty Tom, you go and get a food. I'm just gonna crack on. <laughs> like, just just bring the Mackeys back and we'll finish it up. Yeah. There's just there's just so much that goes into there's just so much that goes into running a business that people just don't see from the outside now unless you're like in it and, and doing it. Like at the start of April we went and did an Edinburgh trip. We had to, like, fix some machines up in Edinburgh, North Berwick. We stopped over in Newcastle at a CrossFit gym. And on the way back, we had, like, some um, skis and bikes to fix in the T-side. And obviously, we said that we wanted to do one podcast episode a week, at the very least. And it was, like, our second week. So, well, obviously, on the second week, we're not going to, like, miss out and and do it. So we finish off a long day. We had to start off in North Berwick, then drive to Edinburgh, do three different locations with, with all the machines. Right, we get to hotel room we need to record it's like nine, we're knackered we finished recording so i was like mate I'm, I'm i need to like go to bed like we've got a big day tomorrow and i said okay well i know i can basically fix eggs with my eyes closed so i just what did i do i just stayed up all night editing the episode pushing it out and actually the next day we've already like got some good responses from people for that so like that effort feels worth it but you still have to kind of like make that first investment and keep Push and keep innovating and i really like what you said about not just trying to um imitate somebody else and just sort of like doing what you thought was cool at the time i heard something really good which is if you're in your own lane there's no traffic so that's why you can't copy and imitate other people you just got to do what you think is good and that's going to accelerate your brand so that other people will try and copy and imitate you
0: well, if, if as if yeah if you're if your initial plan is always to like copy what someone else is doing, you're always going to be one step behind.
2: Exactly. Know, every single time. Yeah, I've heard that one as well. Yeah, definitely.
0: But it's, it is literally like that, that like rowing or like high performance mentality of like, oh, yeah. So, um, like you're sat on the bank and that schools and everyone's taking photos from the grass bank. And you look at the, the start pontoon and you're like, why well, bro. Can we just take photos from down there instead? you're like, no one's, no one's saying no. Like, what are the rules? you got to wear a life jacket. You can't get in the way. can't say anything. Photographers are sat on their own, so they're not going to say anything. I can get them some life jackets, and they're not going to get in the way. Perfect, so we'll get that. And it's the same type of thing in rowing, where you're like, those those washers on the boat, do we, do we need them for the final? Nope. Okay, well, they're not on the boat for the final, because we can save ourselves, like, 100 grams there, or whatever. Like, all that type of stuff of... I like just trying to find like that tiny 0.01% could just make a little bit more difference of just like, oh, and then it gets to like, okay, everyone's now on the start pontoons. Mm. What happens if we put the camera on the water rather than on the start pontoon? Oh, the photos look like 1% better. Sweet. Maybe we'll sell 1% more photos. That works great.
2: It's a, it's a common theme we've had come up, um, you know, with, with, with to some have leads of high level and it's the common theme, you know, the thing that they look back on and wish they'd maybe started earlier is work smarter, not harder, you know, and there's only so hard you can work on the same limit. Um, and then it just becomes, it just becomes this game almost. And, and like the more like for Pete and I, like every time for me, especially like, if there's anything difficult I have to do. Like if I can turn it into a competition with myself, like all of a
0: sudden, like, let's go you know yeah, like, like, just your, you obviously like yeah um we fo- we find it as well like all on was always those like meddling kids that were kind of like screwing up the whole system at the time where we are pretty much the system now so it's it's a very different thing but like right, for henley for example henley qualifiers i'll probably get back to in a second but any women's um for, for henley royal there's a rule that you're not allowed to get in the river Mm -hmm. Because you can disrupt racing. It's not a rule for any women. So we were like, cool. So if we can get the camera on the boom, does that look even better? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, the photos look a lot better if we can do that. So the photographers will spend six hours stood in the river because the photos look 5% better than if you're being sat on the bank. It's the same at Henley Qualifiers, the sun sets behind Henley Town. Mm. So if you're shooting from the bank, yeah, the sun in the background of all your photos. And we're like, is there any rule that says that we can't just like moor up a boat on the other side of the booms? No, oh, no, no rule against that. So now all of our qualifier photos are taken on the other side of the course. So, so you've got at that, say, that time in the summer, it comes down in the middle. comes right down right? right in the middle, right in front of where you want all your photos to be. Oh, so we go on the other side of the course and we get all of our photos from the other direction. Which is what you get at Henry Royal doing the normal racing because that's where the photographer stand is Mm. and someone's thought about that 50 years ago and was like i want to be over there somewhere and we were like well we'll just do the same thing for qualifiers it's it's, and then it's then it's a case of like networking and being like right who do we know that means that we can get on a boat out there without having to like give them cash because all Mm. mark one never really had the cash it was like, well, what else can we offer? Can we offer to do photo sessions with them? Can we go make them a video? Can we do X and Y and all those type of things? It's like, right, it's just about like who you know and understanding that connection and being like, right, we'll start a good relationship here that means that now it gets to every Henley qualifiers and we know that us and Henry Rowan Club can work together yeah, to yeah. take like the coolest photos for every qualifier's crew.
2: I also think it just makes the job so much more fun. Like I just I just can't like understand why someone would do a job and not try and push push the boundaries. I think that just makes it so much more rewarding. And sometimes you get things wrong, but that's innovating. You know, sometimes you, you might get in a position like, like that. Thought it was crap. crap. No, okay, s- scratch that.
0: We've we've done this yeah. far too many times. So yeah, I've been, yeah. been in that position a lot.
1: Um, I like just pushing yourself to the top. And like once you've pretty much exhausted um, all the options, and then you're doing the best that you can possibly do, it just becomes a game of like one percent. So we were servicing Ergs like I think in March at London Rowing Club and we bumped into Phil Club who's obviously at the time was just in between having done like a really good score on a I think a one minute test or, or a 500 something like that and then he just had to race a guy who just broke that record just a few days before the competition and there was the time where whether he was either gonna like get it back or not. And we just remember speaking to him about like the different things that you can do to an ergo just to make it 1% better and just get that extra little bit of um, everything that you can get. Because also if people can see that you are putting the effort in like subconsciously that that's going to be that like, recognized and it's going to like cement you because if you're constantly doing the best that you can do, well, who's going to be, especially if like right now you said you are the system and like you're, you're the big fish in the, in the league.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things to keep in mind, and it's it's great that everyone in the team has the same kind of mentality, yeah. because it's really easy once you become the people who are like the ones to beat, it's very easy to just like chill out a bit mm. and be like, well, no, no one's going to try and beat us for a while. Um, road photography is not a big enough niche for enough people to want to give it a go and it would be very easy for us to kind of like step back and be like cool right well, we can we can chill out for a bit now but actually that doesn't help all mark One grow doesn't help the community do any better and it probably means that I find it less fun because I've got to have that like constant step forward every single time it's quite easy to sit back and be like cool we did the we did the summer season and October in the UK pretty quiet so we'll go to this holiday destination and chill out for two weeks or we could go to uh, boston ahead of the charles and spend a ridiculous amount of money and hope that it pays off and i remember getting on the airplane on the way back about seven grand in the hole because we are just taken such a huge risk of like going all the way there spending on hotels food staff rented equipment i had a 25 grand lens in my backpack walking around boston those type of things and it was just that, like, have we really, have, have I taken it a bit too far here? But then it's like, okay, now that the US teams start, like, understanding who we are a bit more and the money starts rolling in the week after and then the commercial partners start paying up the invoices and we're like, actually, it kind of works out. But unless you take that, like, big old risk, you're never really going to do it. Like, I think we did 6,000% up this October compared to last October yeah. because because of
2: it's risk but it's calculated risk obviously um but i I always keep finding myself coming back to like the the phrases that we used in rowing like in terms of like um you know talking about like oh we could just take our foot off the off the gas and we should say you know but uh staying staying in one place is like standing still is going backwards you know unless you're not innovating you're, you're automatically going backwards and also like um we were talking uh with ben lewis um the kind of the military aspect he he's talked through a story about how um, some of the rowers that he was coaching at leander went to the ses and had a bit of an experience there and they were talking about uh this guy floyd was like you're not trying to do one thing 100 percent better you're trying to do 100 things one percent better you'll never be able to make like a monumental shift in one area but if you're trying to improve all these parts at the time and again like it's fun it's funny for me to have thought that these phrases and sayings and these little quirky little things we say in sport it's just about sport and it's not like sport's just a part of life and if you apply that in other areas like you can be just as successful i think
0: yeah or even even just like questioning what you're doing whether it's whether it's going to work or not just helps you kind of understand the way that it's it's got to go like we started off the wristband program which was we just like oh yeah we'll hand them out because it gets our name out there Mm. And then we started doing a bit more, a bit more, and a bit more. And now we don't really need to do it for our name to get out there. And then it's just that question of, like, does it make the boat go faster? Mm. But it's the same It's the same type of thing. It's just like, right, now what what thing does it actually give to all my And you're like, well, it gives us, like, continued brand image. It gives us, like, something cool that people come up to us and want to try and ask us about or something. It gives us business opportunities for work for future ones. We've now done our first collaboration wristband with Unbreakable Female Athlete and JC over there. And it's like now it's become more than just like, oh, yeah, we want people to buy our photos. Hmm. And it, now it's just like a super big thing of like, right, it's, it's a legitimate part of the business process of all every single
1: year. Yeah i think it. I think it's absolutely amazing and and really great to like see that kind of also energy being pushed out into the rowing world so for example after i finished my career i stepped away for it for a few years and i i tried engineering and then i just couldn't also like stop thinking about how i could integrate that back into rowing because from the outside it, it sometimes can feel a bit stale especially when it comes to innovation especially to like for the technology aspect of um of what rowing looks like so i think it's really amazing to like see Fireblad uh, appear in rowing and obviously like other people like cementing their will to improve rowing yeah up to the highest standard possible yeah you
0: you tend to accidentally find everyone else that kind of feels the exact same way like we can be sad at met regessa and i'll go from speaking at a tent with you guys mm. and like two minutes later i'm just, like uh sat chatting to someone about how we can integrate like live timing into four's head live streams and stuff and you're like okay well that's that's a good one and then we go like two more meters down and then we're talking to someone about a new foot plate that's coming out for a boat and we need a video for it and then we go in two meters down, and it's the same thing every single time it's like actually there's probably 150 people that have walked past in that process but the people that are like into it and want to try and make something a little bit better tend to automatically find themselves
2: and yeah. because you're generally you'll be the first ones there the last ones left yeah. the guys pack. we
0: were the last ones out of
2: Nat schools this year by
0: a long way
2: oh yeah a long way <laughs> we stayed quite we stayed what till about last races yeah, yeah. but not much more much i think i
0: mean most most people do and then we get to the very end and we're like cool now we hand out all the medalist t-shirts or the medalist wristbands because i screwed up the t-shirts this year but we'll sort about that and then, uh, then the photos have to go up then we've got to do an instagram post that's got to do well because it's not school sunday mm-hmm. like that that's a big div for social media posting so that's got to go well and then we've got to make sure that everyone's got the right amount of gear and all the rented equipment has to come back because that goes back off to the rental house and you're like okay racing finished two and a half hours ago and we are still sat at the finish line in our cars sorting social media posts and video editing and we have to split all the video footage between everyone so everyone could edit something if something happened and all that type of stuff and it's like okay it's it's a pretty big operation now it's no longer someone takes some photos here's my camera i'm gonna go home you'll see the photos tomorrow see you later i've got to catch the train with everyone else yeah it's so now they're like right the photos are done so that everyone else on the minibus on the way home refreshing the website mm. sees their images in the next four minutes yeah yeah that's awesome
2: talking of big things as well I, I like to mention obviously the big old picture up in leicester square
0: that was that was pretty cool i i'm sure lots of like media people probably dream about stuff like that I never really have because I'm more of like the business side than the media side. I can do the media side, but I'm a business owner. That's kind of that's kind of where I come from. But that was that was pretty cool when I first got the first email, and I was like, okay, right this this would be quite cool, but we'll see. And then I got an email being like, okay, it's it's going to be on this day. I'm like, okay, I'm not really sure if it will be, but but sure, like that's a Coca-Cola advert they'd be replacing, so it probably won't. Yeah. And then on the day, got another confirmation email. I was like, okay, I still haven't told just believe it at all. Uh, literally, it was like me and then my mom and my sister were in London already. And I was like, okay, well, you, you can turn up if you want, but I'm not getting your hopes up. Like, I haven't seen the video. It might be really short. They Like, it might be on a collage of, like, 150 other clips. And then, yeah, like, 11 o'clock on a Monday rolls around, and we just had this, like, massive trying to think where well, it was probably like 45 meter wide video of you know kyra doing gb trials and i was like yeah that's it's pretty cool i'm sure a lot of people would pay a lot of money to be on that wall
2: yeah that's pretty cool Marco. and do you get do you get do you let yourself enjoy some of these moments? Are you still sort of wrapped up in it? Are you, and we sort of talk to people again. Like another sort of common theme, maybe when they look back, is that they say they wish they'd sort of maybe turn around a little bit more and been happy with where they'd come from and yeah.
0: not chase that next step. This is the thing, yeah. Like standard competitive mindset. Yeah. Like I'm just not happy, and that's that's the really difficult part is to be like, yeah, like my my friends get annoyed at me quite a lot about it. Um, because i'm like striving for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and they're like have you you thought about like what you what you just did like we went to nat schools and we had like the first the first time we've had like a proper sales stand and we came away from it and i was like i probably would have changed like the saturday finish line photos and they're like dude like we had 10 members of staff and we had like the whole stand and we met so many people and so many coaches came up and said hi and we met friends and families and all that type of stuff and i'm leaving being like "This one thing we did yesterday afternoon probably could have done a little bit better and we have to have like meetings about that type of stuff
2: i can see i can see pete smiling
0: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah this is this is kind of how i feel on the inside about like every every single time we do like a podcast or a video or even like anything to do with rogue gear just the 10 getting those pixels just this needs to be like three percent shifted to the left this isn't quite centered this looks awful and to to the unsuspecting eye nobody else can kind of like spot those differences but unless you are striving to be pushing yourself to that kind of level you're going to be falling off your game yeah but it's Mm -hmm.
0: it's what we have to do it's like we look at i was on a on a phone call this is this is like classic me working i was on a phone call discussing a photo book with a client at 9.30 p.m. Mm. on Thursday. So they were just like, yeah, I'm free at 9.30. I was like, I'll be free at 9.30. Uh, I was chatting to them, and they were like, yeah, yeah, so this, this photo is really cool, but I don't know why. I'm like, oh, because that one was taken with a 20 grand lens. Mm. That one was taken with a one grand lens. And he was like, I can't tell the difference. I just know it's cooler. And I'm like, yeah, we can tell the difference. You don't have to tell the difference. You just have to know it's a bit better. Yeah. because if you line them all up at Henry royal we all sit in the exact same spot we all take the exact same photos our photos have to be that like one that stands out doesn't have to be for a specific reason maybe it's because we capture the image when all the blades look like they're in perfectly in time which we notice when we do boat race stuff all the non rowing photographers they't really look for stuff like that mm. because they're like I don't know what I'm looking for I've got a photo of a boat and there's there's eight blades. You can see it's Cambridge. You're like, yeah, but one of them's square, one of them's feathered, one of them's just hit a wave. Like, that doesn't look like a cool photo. It just looks like a photo of a Cambridge boat in some massive wave. Mm. Um, so, w- like, when you then look at Henley images and you're like, right, that one's got a slightly blurrier background. The lighting looks a little bit better. The quality's a little bit sharper. And that's why, like, when we sit there and we take a photo with, yeah like a 20 grand lens or a five grand camera and we've got cars that work a little bit quicker and we got more batteries that means we don't miss as many races and all those type of things and it's like only us notice that hmm. most of the time you'll find some like mum or dad that's that's a big photography geek and they're like i've noticed you've got this and we're like cool but most other people are just like it's just a cool photo isn't it like and you're like yeah it's right. a cool photo yeah,
2: like we'll be coming back Friday if Matt schools and like, and like, should we should we move the the like that bit out? Like, should we like maybe the like, sliders are in the wrong place? And like, it doesn't matter to anyone else, but like, that's kind of what makes the job fun, and like, that's what makes in- innovation fun. And like, again, like with servicing, you know, I've been doing it. Like Pete's been doing it a good few years now, but I've been doing it what four, fourteen years or whatever.
1: I've been doing it a year,
2: and we'll get to a job, and like maybe I've explained one way to Pete, and he'll be like, why, why do we do it this way? And then I'll sort of think in my head, and I'll be like. Because over the last 14 years, I've tried about 12 methods and this one's maybe like 10, 15 seconds quicker per machine. But if you're doing 20 machines a day on an every job and blah, 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 blah. And like all this innovation like takes a lot of time to come and then you find yourself in a place, like you said, where you can do something in a way that other people can't
1: and that includes customer service as well because like what other company is going to build a great relationship with their clients and customers unless they're able to make themselves available at 9 30 p.m
0: or or when some parent is like honestly it's my j14 kids first race i know he goes to this school i know he was in a boat with four other lads yeah and they had two blades and i was like Ace, I can find you the photos. That's that's totally fine. Or like a dad walks in and goes, I've got two daughters. One of them's in one boat. One of them's in the other. Don't know which, like, I don't know the boat numbers. I don't really know them all, but can you find me the photos? Well, like, yeah, yeah. What what club are they at? Don't know. What color are the blades? Oh, perfect. Is this one. <laughs> and you're like, right, okay. There's there's a little bit there. that's like most people know exactly what they're looking for and they go and find it. There's like the one one or two few people per event they're like oh yeah can you help me with this one And we're like thank god we've got a little bit of knowledge that happened and that happened or oh we're looking for race 65 but it wasn't there and you're like yeah well when we were sat there we heard that race 65 was postponed and it got pushed to this time so it's in this folder i'll move it back over or something like that
2: i think that's also cool because we kind of live in a world where like you know oh it's a computer says no you know we can't do it like no no you know it's not on the it's not on the list it's not what i do so like yeah it's it's also quite rewarding to have someone turn around but like, we went to a gym the other day we did all their ergs bikes and stuff and he's like i've got all these assault bikes and i was like well i've never fixed these but i fixed the ones over at, uh, like Cabo- no, gb ones down at hammersmith so i'll probably take a look at them and then like by the time we left he's like right i want you in like we're going to do these and like have you ever fixed like a barber i was like yeah i've taken them apart a few times i know what to do it's like right come back and get them done and it's like it's awesome to kind of just um then you then you build a relationship and trust with your customers and like you say and then they come back again and again and, like, again.
0: and they know that you're not gonna sit there and be like yeah, yeah you need to service your areas once every three months and they're like D- do we do we or do we do we not like yeah. trying to get money out of it it's yeah. the same type of thing with us and we're like cool yeah you should you buy some prints for your gym? And they're like, cool, well, this big photo here is um, is 150 quid. And we're like, yeah, you're going to put it in a gym. So, like, you probably don't need that super glossy, super high-quality photo. Yeah. We do these ones for 40 quid. Yeah. Because every year, you're going to want to replace the whole set with the next year's lot. Exactly. They're like, oh, yeah, probably could have fleeced me for, like, 600 quid there. But instead, we're going to go 200 and something for everything. Because we like hopefully we then get to the point where every year hmm. we can go and replace all of the photos for them or we can add more to it and they can just have like a bigger wall we've got it at brooks and ever, and like quite a lot of clubs are starting to get at it now we're doing doing the next set of latimer and it's just like really cool banners that no one else can offer but yeah. like, we like oh yeah so this one molds when there's loads of moisture in the air well that construction banner holding up that fence doesn't mold and that's outside so why don't we just print photos onto that material instead which is now what we do
2: yeah definitely it's awesome and like yeah being able to like do what's best for your clients is is really good and like okay you haven't got that much money this year so let's just fix what's broken and we'll come back next year and like yeah like being like being a human and we have like so many clubs um you know where now uh i'll just say you know can i come friday and they're like yeah no one's at the club here's the main gate code here's the door code Send me the invoice when you're done and like that feels nice to be trusted in that way and then obviously you want to you want to like respect that
1: that reputation but then there's also times where you get a phone call at like 9 10 p.m from somebody up in san andrews not to name call you al sinclair but he's got a problem with his dynamic and then i just see tom just drop what he's doing and just like spends the next half an hour on the phone telling him how to fix like a faulty part yeah
2: yeah, because that was my work and my, you know, reputation. That was something that a few months before we'd gone up and fixed, and and whether it was a faulty part, I think probably a faulty part or not, but you know, something had gone wrong. So you know, it's like I'm, um, it's you know, it can take like the phrase when they take a lifetime to build a reputation, and a second to destroy it. So once you've got it, it's something worth maintaining. And I've noticed now, having been like I said, we've been I've been doing this since sort of two thousand nine. So having been in this industry a long time, like that slow organic growth and like real, like working on like connections and like doing the best job you can saving people money when you can leads to like long-term success whereas like you said grabbing 150 quid off someone the first time because you just happen to not mention that you have a better a cheaper option
0: that's better for them
2: they're not going to come back
0: yeah and we we have that quite a lot so like yeah as as i say we came away from that schools and i wasn't very happy and nor was nor was rory the the other guy that was with me uh with the Saturday saturday finish line images uh, we just haven't shot them the the settings were slightly off and it just didn't look very all mark one and then yeah we kind of like sat on it for about a week and we were like cool they're not going to be sold they can just go out for free because there is no way that we're sitting there being like this image of you winning your red box at Henley royal or you winning your gold medal in that schools is worth the same as this slightly blurry photo that we took on a dark Saturday evening. Hmm. Whether it was Nat scores or not, the fact that it looks poor means that it's no longer the same value. And it risks devalue, rather than like being like, oh, that means that these images are really good value. Yeah. What it probably does is devalue everything. Because they're yeah. like, well, if that one's worth that, this one could look the exact same way and we'd, we'd have to pay it.
2: I like the um, the phrase is uh, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept, mm-hmm. and you know it's up to you to maintain that standard. And you know we were we were fixing some some bugs in the gym today, and we're doing on our final pass, and we just noticed like a couple where just there was something, and it's frustrating because you're like. I'm pretty sure, like, no one else on earth is going to notice this. It's only because I sit on 5,000 machines a year. No one's going to notice
0: that the sea is slightly off to the left.
2: But I know. And if I'm going to maintain that center, I have to maintain that center. So as hot as we are and we've got stuff and I want to get out there, it's like, right, I'm going back to the van and I'm getting that part and we're here for the next half hour. And, like, that can quite often seem like extra work for nothing. But I think, as you found out with your company and, like, with what we're doing, like, over time, that accumulates and you become the person who you know if you're going to go and get a photo you know from all that and like it's going to be on
1: all that compound interest like really starts to add up so like having obviously been running all mark one for eight years now where do you see the company growing where do you which direction do you see it going in and what would you like to see slash innovate or are there any other projects slash ventures that you'd like to explore
0: yeah i i get quite i looked to, to other sports quite a lot There's not really many sports that are super similar, but I get very jealous of like Sky Sports F1 or GCN in cycling and all those type of things. Like big companies that evolve the sport that they're in. Mm. Uh, And we're kind of slowly getting to the point now. We were talking about it off camera, but it was that bit of, okay, right, we're applying for Henley passes. We're applying for double the amount of the next biggest team and we're like okay so how on earth do we work that through in the future and it's the same thing as what sky sports had to deal with and it's like okay yeah so every other broadcaster is bringing one presenter and sky sports f1 wants to bring six presenters you are like, okay so we need our own space and we need like this plan and this plan and this plan so that we can continue doing it without affecting everyone else and we're slowly getting to the same part where so we're at Nat schools, we need like our own area because we're a big enough team, and I think we're going to get there soon with with the likes of Henley as well. Where it's like, okay, we're working with so many people that actually we need to have a all mark one base here where possible, and whether that means that we're going to have to invest pretty heavily, or whether we're just going to have to do a little bit more like personal relationships and networking and trying to understand what we can offer back to, to make that relationship work. Like we'll see. But that's that's kind of that route. I'd love to try and get our physical presence really big at those type of events, but that involves that event helping us out a little bit. The other one is like the online presence a bit, like GCN, um, where it's like the bit I really like is the the access pass that they do at the moment. Which is like you pay a monthly fee, but you get access to all the cycling races, as like live streams. Uh, they're not produced by GCN, but GCN provide them. And it's that type of thing where it's like, actually, all one are in the position where we could probably help events grow their streams. Uh, and then it means that you're not having to pay cash to watch one event. You can kind of just pay like a consistent fee.
2: Hmm. I think that's really interesting because I think for a long time people, you know, the constant uh, argument as to why there isn't a bit more money in the sport, why there isn't a bit more funding or availability, is like, oh, it's just not a spectator sport. It's not a spectator sport. You can't watch the whole thing, and then you know we're t- again talking about this with Ben Lewis, like you can't watch a cycling race. Look how big cycling is. Like, yeah,
0: and you've ju- you've just got to explain it. Like you've if you looked at um, a video of. A group of three cycling and a group of 20 cycling and a group of five cycling, and you didn't really have an explanation of what was going on. They could be in any order whatsoever. So you gotta have, you gotta make sure there's like really clear graphics and good like commentators and all those type of things that like add that whole part to it. Like if you just play a rowing race, Hmm. it's not that exciting watching just like six boats go down a course. The exciting bit is like, understanding why they're doing what they're doing and being able to tap into like what the crews are up to and whether that's a big event, they've got to take that jump and be like, if you want to race here, you've got to do X, Y, and Z for us, for our live stream or for our coverage or whatever. Uh, that's that's where it's, it's going to come from, whether it's Head of the River or whether it's Henry Royal. If Henry Royal came out and said, we're going to put live telemetry on every single boat that makes it to finals day, what are you going to do? You make it to finals day and then decide that you don't want to race in the end? Like, if you've made it to finals day, you have to do X, Y, and Z. Mm. And if that involves putting live telemetry on all of the gates and then putting out a live stream, you're putting live GPS trackers or all of those type of things or having, like, big trees that allow people to start, like, guessing where people are getting it to. Like, Henry Royal has a great live stream. But once you've watched that race, you're like, cool. I've now got to look at the All Mark 1 big Google sheet to work out what that's actually done yeah. to racing for the next bit. Yeah, And that's something that someone on a live stream could definitely do is like cut back to, to a studio and talk about that type of stuff.
2: I think technology's moved on as well so that is it is more accessible. Um, again, we were talking, you know, um, the reason why Henley didn't do filming before the drones were possible was that um, Dorney in 2020, 20- donny yeah 2012 paid a million pounds to get the camera rig on the on the wire yeah it cost a million yeah. so it's just like not a price to come in and then i th- i think i heard don't know the numbers but the alternative was he was one of the first people in the uk who had a camera that was a he had like the license and the ability or the size to fly over people and all that yeah, yeah. and he was like 10 grand a day it's like 10 grand a day it's expensive but it's not a million so like that's a huge difference in that in that how like that's coming down because i think that's really interesting and again like talking about the commentators like that's the skill of having people in place who can understand sports. So, like, there are some sports, like you say, for for the, for say, cycling tour of France, like having someone who can explain to a layman without also sounding, without also like coming being used. Yeah. Or being useless for the people who know what they're talking about. You know, I might not, you know, for me, football's not the best thing. And sometimes I'll, the, the match will be boring. But like, if I sat there with Pete and Pete will explain, you know, I'll be like, there's nothing going on. And he's like, no, you know, they're testing their, you know, they're like, this is a game of chess that's going on and sort of explain it, and you can actually start to understand. And the same goes for row. You know, on the face of it, it's just people going mental.
0: Yeah. If you just, if, yeah, if you've got a commentator that's not massively in the know and you watch a crew do like a big old push and then you're like, oh, well, they, they've died and the other crew's coming back, and you're like, no, they've probably finished their push and yeah. they're waiting to do the next one. Like it's stuff like that. And it's like, okay, you, you just need someone knowledgeable to, to commentate on what you're looking at and we try and get that at all of our head of the river live streams and i think that's like we do it with one or two cameras a bit like we're doing here yeah. like our head of the river live streams are this level of like like polish of like we don't have wireless cameras up and down the course we have wires cameras on like random points at imperial college Barehouse that we can mm. get to with an ethernet cable um but then we just try and add to it with like the commentary, or we try and get like some decent results up, and we push our photos.
2: Those type the of the content's like, more important. Yeah. yeah, you can spend as much as you want on providing it, but like if the if the meat if it's not there, yeah. If
0: if you just watch the boat go past, you might as well have just been like filmed by your mum and dad from the bridge. Yeah, like the whole point is that it's it's got to have a little bit of extra with it somewhere. So I think that's that's really important. Awesome so good yeah so apart apart from
1: doing live streams and hopefully being the official media partner for henley royal in the in the next
0: in the next maybe maybe one day i I think we're i think we're probably still a long way off that conversation yeah hopefully hopefully at some point that'd be really good well if you if you guys keep improving like you do improving I'd, i'd love to be i think that would be that would be something that would be really special it's like that official status that we have for some events allows us to shoot a little bit more and it allows us to take slightly bigger risks at those events we saw that in that schools last year we weren't official and we brought six people along so we were official and we can afford to bring 10 people along because that that like level of risk is is decreased um and that's that's kind of something that we're working on now is that like relationship with specific events being like right okay we can if, if you can give us this one title that you're not paying for and you no know, like doesn't really have any value to you add so much value to us so we can probably try and make something work
1: well hopefully with with like constant innovation and striving to like be the best for like every event it's it's going to happen yeah, so hopefully so are there any other things that you'd like growing to potentially adapt that you might have like taken from other areas of business or other
0: yeah i guess i guess like we kind of mentioned it off camera as well but it was like that sponsorship side of sailing is really easy to to try and get in on and rowing really should be starting to do that type of stuff too and i think sometimes there's there's a chance that rowing kind of undersells itself quite a lot when it comes to that type of thing and either you go for slightly too small of a company or you go for a slightly bigger company, but at the wrong price point, you kind of underprice yourself so much that you come in as not very important. And it's one of those things of like you can. Uh, I'm trying to so like sale GP has only a few tens of thousand followers more than World Rally, so it's it's not that much bigger in terms of like social media reach. But you can sit there and as a sale GP team get millions and millions and millions of pounds coming in from sponsors Mm. and you're like okay why aren't any rowing teams doing that why are the top funded rowing teams either membership clubs or universities or large private schools like there has to be a way for like external investment to come into rowing and then as we talk about then it starts the loop and it doesn't leave Mm. the rowing community it just keeps just keeps that whole like thing growing so whether that's Like a big university team or a big club team deciding to commit to a really big sponsorship deal and kind of throwing everything out that everyone knows at the moment. Uh, At the moment, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you could get your logo on the kit. You can get some logos on the boat. And and you could like come to Henley. And you're like, cool, that ticks like five of the boxes. Hmm. Why don't you have a dedicated press team and you go and do these international events and you go and do these social media things and you have these type of posts and all those type of things? And you're like, actually, if you build it into a big portfolio. You could probably offer something that quite a lot of other sports can't with the, with the like, international racing scene. Mm-hmm. You could go and race head of the Charles in October and then you could go and race the King's Cup or whatever in, in Australia. And then you can come back and you race San Diego. You can go race get and Durresberg and Holland becker and then all of those type of ones. You can like jump between them and be like, actually, we're not an international team. We're just a team. They're really pretty good, and mm-hmm. that could be that. That spot is open for anyone at this point because no one's done it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's exciting things to come again. Again, having got, I mean, we speak to so many people around around the the country we're growing anyway, but again, like speaking to people like you and um, some other people down at um, Marlow that Schools and stuff. There's some cool ideas, like There's some fresh ideas coming into it. There's some people um, who who want to shake things up a bit, and I think it's really exciting to kind of try and get on the forefront of that and get involved in that. And like, um, yeah. like you said, like innovate the
0: sport. Yeah. If, if any If any club wants to consult me, you know, just send me an email. Send you my fees. <laughs> <laughs> just put it out there now. Sponsorship consultant. <laughs>
1: nice i also really like the fact that rowing's become like really big in crossfit in the in the last few years especially with like the mass adoption of like the concept 2 products like the bikes and the skis and the and the rowers are, are becoming like more prevalent and um I think we're definitely going to like see a lot of people become more interested in running through that sort of side of the sport. So.
0: And even on a basic turn, it means the concept two have a little bit more money to invest in their blade research because they probably make all of their money from their gym equipment and they can take some of that money and then put it into their blade research and development. Yeah, this type of thing. So you can make shafts a little bit thinner and you can make the spoon shape a little better or you can just like help on when inflation goes up blades don't go up in price those type of things and it means that like money coming in from elsewhere is again it just like keeps that circle of money within the rowing community coming in from external investment
1: absolutely this is what i was basically trying to say is that i wouldn't want to see rowing in the crossfit world sort of like develop alongside of like separately from like the rowing that you traditionally like have at clubs with with river racing and and six-lane racing and all that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see, like, how that transition starts yeah, to, like, yeah. The, yeah. the how that re- relationship, like, starts to develop in the next few years, definitely.
2: Yeah, and I think what's also interesting is seeing that happening, like, seeing this innovation coming up and people talking about it, and combine that with what a lot of other people are doing, which is, like, um act, like improving accessibility to rowing. So, like, again, like, um at one of the regattas we bumped into, and Buckingham, who's working with Love Rowing, which is, like, GB Rowing's kind of art, um, Chargeable arm and they're working at the, like and there's a lot of other people who've got involved with them already schools who like donated equipment and things like that i think it was radley's donated some ergos. they've gone to a school that couldn't afford them i've heard other plans of people sort of doing races with old shells and then donating them afterwards and like if you can make it more accessible again with rogier like some of the equipment and stuff that we're trying to put out there is trying to make it like more affordable accessible to, to other people It's it in a tiny park that's what other companies are doing but uh those two things together is like can really take off like all of a sudden you've got a sport which the people in it like absolutely love it like you don't get a rower who's just like meh i do it for a laugh like it's you are in or out I don't You might think. <laughs> like with, with the sport with the people in it are that invested in it if you can innovate in a way that you know i like said brings more money in And then also, like, make it more accessible. Like, that could accelerate the sport to a huge point. Um, And then, like, other sort of things, you know, like, home countries doing, like, the 500-meter sprint stuff now, um, which is interesting. Sort of know from Germany, run a, like, a little 500-meter sprint Bundesliga. It's quite um, popular. It was more of a social calendar event. Like, seen it being trialed at home countries. Um, Commonwealth, I forgot, as well, did it in 2014 when I was there. Or, like, mixed-eight event that we did. Like, it rowing there is a place for like very serious very high level rowing but i also think there's like a gap to like have more fun with it enjoy it have Have the same
0: like intensity of people without the same intensity of the performance
2: yeah yeah Yeah. so i think there's some really exciting things to come and uh yeah i mean let's watch this space yeah i
0: think i think i think stuff like that is is hopefully going to kick off at some point It, it requires like a lot of effort from both event organizers but also from yeah the national government national governing body Mm. of just like being able to fit those events into the calendar somewhere that makes it work uh post henley is is a very like weird time because you get so many athletes that disappear off Mm. but maybe there's some gaps in that bit for a slightly more exciting event but then maybe there's some gaps before henley that allows for slightly more serious events but with a slightly different layout but are still taken just as seriously as, as some of the big events at the moment you
1: see that in junior rowing as well after henley when you go and do the british junior rowing champs most of the crews um that have been like very successful at henley from schools etc they will have either like gone to the gb team for either cooper Worlds, but no one's really turning up for for the british Nope, junior own champs like that's basically the nat school so
0: yeah, yeah i think i think that's that's an event that is able to be run because of all the clubs that go and support it but if you did a senior champs around the same time you'd you'd lose you'd, you'd end up with the same type of clubs and then you would miss out on all the universities and all the gb lot which means that as a senior championships it's a little bit harder hmm. so it's yeah, like it's it's very much that thing of like, yeah, you could put it after Nat Schools and after Henley and all that type of stuff, uh, and just do it as like a exciting event for some people to turn up to, or you've got to somehow find a bin calendar before before Nat Schools, before Henley around the like box area where you can have a serious event that's during summer exciting but allows you to have the biggest cruise there under that you've got to invest the hell out of it and you've got to be like right the winner gets 25 grand 20 grand prize money to make it worthwhile entering maybe that's the way it's got to go Uh, that's kind of how a lot of big events start Mm. not in rowing but in lots of other sports where you're like okay the first bit there's going to be this prize money and for the first four years anyone could come and enter it and after that the fifth year, it's 100 quid to enter. And the sixth year, it's 200 quid to enter, and it keeps going up. And then the prize money keeps going up accordingly. And then by the end, you can be like, right, it's 10 grand to enter. But if you win, it's 400 grand of prize money. And you've got you've got crews, they'll be like, I'll take that risk. That's a pretty good risk. That's kind of what they do in golf. Yeah. They're just like, I will risk the 400,000 pound entry fee and flights and hotels and cars and everything. Because if I win, it's seventeen million dollars or something. Um, yeah. Like you've got to kind that trade off work. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. And hopefully, like I said, if uh, you know, like it's it's a it's a tall order to ask, but like if things like what we're doing, what you're doing, like if we can get keep these companies, we can help each other out. We can support each other. We can, like you said, come on this podcast and maybe we can do some stuff with you, whatever. Maybe we can kind of group together and find that money without having to like find that person like um like you said like you keep it in house and you keep it with people who love what they're doing have a passion of what they're doing maybe in the future something like that could happen
1: who knows <laughs> absolutely well we're just at the beginning of the of the podcast journey but we very much we're very much hoping to, to to grow it out to like a larger audience and also like not just limit ourselves to the uk because there are so many different lessons that you can take from like uk rowing that could be applied in like other countries as well because like, i personally i come from poland and like the rowing culture is very, very different over there.
0: Yeah, we don't have any. There are very few companies across the world that do what we do in the UK. Mm. Um, I think the closest is probably Row2K in America. Mm. But apart from that, there's like, like sports graphics, just do photos, but Row2K kind of do like the bigger side of it. There's actually not very many countries in the world that have that like one brand that will go to as many of the events across the year as they can. Plus, they do the videos and the social media side and uh when we do a henley draw tree on google sheets whatever like all the tiny little things that add to like a total growing brand oh. or a total media organization that type of thing hasn't really been seen elsewhere yet
2: so you so
1: you're launching all mark one franchise <laughs> <laughs> yeah all might One australia franchise so run us for the calendar for this year what's in store for Allmark one and where can people find you
0: so Henley qualifiers is coming up so we'll be set out on our boat uh we might do some we've done a few events where we've videoed time trials as well and sold the videos so we might do that Henley qualifiers uh and then it's henry royal and that is when we've got the entire team there we'll take all the photos as normal uh we sometimes hop on with launches of crews and those type of things and we can get some really cool photos down the course awesome um and we do all the boating stuff but also the video team will be there and we're working with a lot of people this year so that'll be really exciting um then after henley is where we're kind of in like a bit of a unknown stage at the moment um some events that i know that we'll do will be gb france we'll go to gb france because that's based in the uk and then we're just waiting on british train choose whether we're able to go to junior worlds under Twenty Three worlds Coupe and under 3 Europeans. And then Home internationals fits in around the same as Undestroyed 3 Worlds. So it's all kind of one one big group there. And then it starts churning out a little bit. Um, the season will start again in September, but those will be some events here and there. Uh, so hopefully if we can line up, I'd like to go back to America in October and do Head of the charts again and just try and take it to another level than we did last year
1: wicked that's awesome so i guess i've just got a few quick fire round questions that i wanted to ask you
0: trying to um what's your favorite boat type and why ah but boat type is hard okay so like the first one that kind of springs to mind would be would be the cox4 like both of these are going to be cox boats of course because i am the first one that springs to mind would just be like a cox4 because i've raced the the one time i did henley really really seriously was in the pa in the cox4 Uh, I did Junior Wells in the Cox 4 and Coop in the Cox 4 so there's there's more of a like good space in my head for that boat than I think most Coxes have but yeah I've got the Bucks record in the Men's 8 so I think the 8 still takes that yeah that was a 531 that was pretty quick. Wicked
1: so what's the favorite rowing venue that you've visited or competed at you can have two answers if you want
0: that that is a hard one. Um, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to like go through the ones. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try and like split this on off. I think the most underrated venue is actually the Docklands. I did Hopla Regatta this year. Uh, I went and photographed there, and I think that venue is just very underused and under yeah valued by the UK rowing community. I think it used to be a pretty dodgy place to go and row not because of anything else but it was more very much of a didn't have start pontoons for quite a while uh didn't have boys for the first 100 meters of the course for quite a long time all that type of stuff and you're like, actually as a rowing venue it wasn't very good but now like it's got full course great start pontoons etc like that that's very undervalued as for where i've raced It's it's difficult when you're when you're talking about favourites. It's going to sound weird, but Nottingham has a mental tailwind on a good day, and that can make racing on it really fun. Yeah, so I'm um, going as much as the course can be pretty horrendous, and when it's a headwind, it might be my least favourite place in the entire world. When you have got a twenty mile an hour tailwind down Nottingham,
2: so like once every six years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If, if that
2: i'm not sure i I'm not sure I've been lucky enough to ever see a, a nice tailwind I at I once
0: even. and it was pretty good every other time uh had it twice uh nat schools got called off one year because the tailwind was too high, and then the other one was bucks and that was that was like spot on speed nice that was good
2: nice uh there's one other I always ask as well um which I always find quite interesting is if you could go back to when you first really caught the bug for rowing. If you could time travel back and see that kid, what advice would you give him about rowing or about business?
0: That's a that's a really hard one. Um I think I think it like weirdly as as we mentioned earlier of like me not being very happy with where we are at the moment, it would actually be to go back and just like reassure and be like, actually the people that you meet are probably going to be the most important part of this. Like, I know that, you know, a third of all athletes that raced at Brooks in my final year won Henley. I think it was probably more than that. I think it was closer to half, and I wasn't one of them. But actually, that doesn't really detract from, like, the big part of it. Or, like, went to Junior Wells and came second in a B final, and everyone else was, like, in an A final. You're like, yeah, the result was a bit off. It doesn't really detract from like the people that you then met and the, the connections that you have and then the relationships that you then build because those guys and girls are go off to do something pretty special too. Hey. And it's, it's the same thing. Like you can just, oh, I live in Henley now and you can walk around and you can see your mates from Coop in 2016 and be like, yeah, we're, we're still on good terms. No matter whether hey. it was a gold medal or a bronze medal or an eighth or a dq or whatever like it's all it's all pretty good yeah i'm
2: guessing, guessing oh, that's really good reassuring.
0: yeah that's that awesome answer like you can't
2: really it's not like go back with 2020 but go back and be like bet on the boat bet on oxford in 2016 or something oh, like
0: we, we did th- <laughs> we, we tried all of that and i uh, like looking back at that type of stuff is is really hard because actually the the bit moving forwards is always like we probably did the best that we could with in the position that we were at at yeah, that point yeah it's like oh yeah we could have gone to head of the Charles of the year early and you're like we didn't have seven grand to splash on a trip to america the year before yeah. or we should have just invested 15 grand in one of these lenses rather than renting it all the time and you're like didn't have 15 grand to yeah. invest in a lens and it's always that bit of like you can go back and look at it and be like oh yeah we should have should have done this bit or we should have tried to get in there with this event a little bit early and you're like I do. Because I would probably probably weren't able to because we weren't in the position. Yeah,
2: I get frustrated, and you look back and why didn't we do this sooner? And I just think you got if you look back and think, did we do what we thought was best with the knowledge we had at the time? And if we did, then we couldn't have done any better than that. But the, with the going back in general, like you know, like you said, like I think that's an awesome point to make. Like the results are not everything. Like the people and the experiences are, and focus on having the best performance you can, but take a second to. To look around you and enjoy where you
0: are. Yeah, we... So all my one tripled in size when I stopped coxing. But I don't think I'd ever go back and take away that final year of coxing that I did because of, like, the... It sounds bad, but I, it kind of, like, legitimizes... It, like, helps legitimize you as a person. Mm-hmm. of just like, oh, yeah, that person did this and then this and this and this and this and this. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, like, that final step could have been the like final key to unlock this event or this relationship or this friendship or whatever and we've got a really good like close bond now with the team at Bucks. and i don't know how much of that was my final year racing at Bucks Mm. that had to deal with how close we are with them now yeah you can go back and be like we probably could have made more money if i just quit and you're like yeah but we probably wouldn't have had this and this and this thing yeah Awesome. awesome. I've got one more question.
1: Who's your rowing idol or the person that you've looked up to during your rowing career or post-rowing career?
0: That's really hard. I'm I'm not sure. My idols tend to be business idols that I then try and bring into rowing, if that makes sense. You so of, it, yeah. I look up at Ben Francis, the owner of Gymshark. Of Tars. And I'm like, okay, how do we take something, like a little bit from what he did and put it back into rowing? And I think that's that might just be like an automatic mindset, but it's a bit like when we go back on it earlier, being like, if I kind of follow or try and follow in someone's footsteps, I'm always going to be a bit behind. Whereas if I take what someone else has done not in rowing and try and pull it in, maybe I can be the first one to do that.
2: I think race is so into as well. They like say like the people who find wearing is fourteen and that's all they do their whole life. So to to find things outside of that is yeah, rare.
0: And pull and pull that back in, whether it's yeah, so like there's there's Ben Francis from from Gymshark and uh like there's there's a few others like I've got uh there's a big car modifier in Milton Keynes called Urban Automotive. There's a guy guy called Simon who runs that and yeah look up to him quite a lot as well of just like and again just someone that's kind of like disrupted the community they're in and then built a whole new set around what they think is a good idea and trying to do the same thing here awesome wicked rory thanks so
1: much for coming on and and having a chat with us you were actually one of the first people that started supporting the podcast (laughs) from from like the first from the yeah from the first episode we could just see that like um you were following closely like what, what we did and like just really appreciate the support so it was great to obviously like meet you for the first time on that schools and uh let's see what we can what we can do in the future and let's see how rogan all mark like one can hopefully help each other
0: yeah awesome stuff yeah, been,
1: yeah yeah awesome thanks for
2: thank you so much and uh yeah i'm sure we'll see what well, we'll probably see on saturday at marlitt but uh yeah no hope, hopefully hopefully goes well for summer and fingers crossed you get those those gb events yeah. i think that'd be awesome
1: awesome so on that note easy there cue the music